Hey everyone, welcome to the new media show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I'm welcome my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenley. Rob, how are you? I'm doing terrific, Todd. It's great to catch up with you. I know we're doing this on a on a recording basis this week. We're not live, so all those live junkies aren't going to get their fix this week, and we're sorry about that. But this is, you know, we're we're doing this just after the the fourth, so it's kind of a holiday episode. Todd, I think yeah, we're it, it is. We're doing above and beyond, right? Because most people probably took the, the week off. <laughs> I, I would imagine so. And you know, I've I've been on travel, and I I'm carrying a different bag because I'm trying to lighten the load. And I left my like some of my main recording gear that I do for this show in the other bag. And then Skype has been horrible where I'm at. So yeah, we'll, we'll see if we make it through this show without me going, you know, dropping out. But, uh, anyone, everyone, welcome to, uh, the new media show and lots going on in space in the last week as normal, but not as much news. But, uh, Rob, uh, it's, it's getting close. Podcast movement is right around the corner. Oh, I know. It actually just dawned on me, um, today. I was like going, how many weeks away is that? You know, it's only like what six weeks away, maybe a little less. So yeah, I think five. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's but it's still it's like right around the corner. Yeah, it is, and I still haven't got my plane ticket yet, so I'm going to have to do that here in the next week. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, a good reminder on on your part to me as well. I need to do the same thing, but yeah, I got to figure out where I'm, I got to figure out where I'm going to be to buy a ticket from. So. That's one of the bigger challenges. Oh yeah, well that's true. You're <laughs> you're kind of in limbo in a lot of ways right now. So so yeah. But so how's the the whole studio coming along? Is it making progress? Well, I haven't been in the actual studio in a yeah. more than a week, but yeah. I've got uh, the design came through from the design team, and I'm pretty excited. They're getting me the the cost. I think I'm about 90% there with the design. So now it's just a matter of getting back and, and getting stuff set up and wired up and, and plugged in. I think the uh, set design can, can kind of migrate in. I was hoping to have it all done at once, but I'm still shooting for, you know, early August, I hope, um, to be able to, you know, to be able to go live in the studio there. So, uh, I've got my fingers crossed yeah. on that. But, uh, yeah, we've been audio only for a while. Yeah, it'd be, be perfect timing because I'd, I'd love to get uh, Dan Franks on just a couple weeks before the event. That would be awesome to, to get, you know, a, an update on what he's doing over there. And and th- at least that would be the plan. I mean, because we're even going to do a live new media show from Podcast Movement. And I, I just got set up this past week. Uh, we're we're going to be doing a live new media show at um, Dragon Con of all places. <laughs> yeah, I think, and it's pretty late too. It's like eight in the evening or something like that. So yeah, but that's that's pretty normal at Dragon Con that they have sessions oh, really? that actually go till like eleven o'clock at night. It's kind of a different. It's a different that's event. Cool. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's a. It's basically a a a party. It's in Atlanta. If you don't know about Dragon Con, just go to DragonCon dot com and you can read all about it but it's basically a 80,000 person party across six large hotels in downtown Atlanta so i went last year and it was one of the craziest things i've ever been to in my life so you'll have an interesting time todd if you haven't been there before <laughs> do they do they costume up and everything oh yeah it, pretty much everybody's in crazy costumes i mean like i saw like probably five or six different Batman and, and I saw, you know, like 10 Spider-Mans walking around and I saw, you know, all sorts of characters. I mean, if you can imagine a character from a TV show or something like that mm-hmm. uh, or a movie, um, somebody's going to be replicating it at the event. I mean, even, um, 10 feet tall, um, monsters, you know, walking around <laughs> that place. I mean, it's, it's one of the wildest things I've seen. So are you going to be in in uh, in costume, Rob? Are you going to be cosplaying? No, I didn't. I didn't go in costume <laughs> last year either, and it was like uh, I don't really want to go there. And actually, as far as why we're there, we're there for the podcast track that's going on there, right. which is a pretty significant um, 
event there. It's not going to be called the podcast track this year. It's going to be called the new media track. So oh. I thought it was an interesting little change. It, last year it was the podcasting track, but the but the organizers of DragonCon wanted to open it up to you know all sorts of video creators and things like that too. But podcasting is a big part of it. Um, but most of the people that uh, are on panels or go to the podcast section of it aren't really that much in costume. I mean, I, you'll see a few people that wander in that are in costume, but um, most of the people that are involved in podcasting go there and they don't really get that much um, dressed up. So, so it'll be interesting, right. the contrast of that. So let's talk a little bit about this announcement out of uh, the UK or the European uh, space where this Podmeo, mm-hmm. I think that's the wait six million dollar round. They want to be the Netflix for podcasting for Europe. So here we go again. Yeah, it's actually a Danish company, and it's six million in euros, which means that it's it's probably over seven million in U.S. dollars. Um, so it's. Yeah, it's just another, you know, example of a company thinking that premium podcasting is the future of the medium and putting podcasts behind a password protected experience is, is the future of the medium. And I, you know, I think that there's a lot of us that are a little um, skeptical that that's going to work very well. So what's your thought on it, Todd? Well, I, you know, I think you already know, I I don't think it's going to work because, but, you know, at the same time, you know, I, I, there's this uh, Facebook thread that was on a week or so ago where someone that is a big anchor fan said that uh, locked in verticals is the future of podcasting. He thinks that uh, uh, podcasts should all behind, should be behind locked in verticals. And it just made me shudder to, uh, to think that a podcaster could be could even say that I I I I, I was stunned. I, I felt like it. Can this person even be in their right mind? And you know, and it's it's their opinion, but it's it goes against every every fundamental thing that we built this space on. Um, when I say we, the community, you know. Yeah. I think that there is a path for us to have a blending of, of subscription audio with the free and open audio that's ad supported typically. I think that there is a path there. It's just, uh, I think putting this audio behind, um, you know, like grouped firewalls, password protected firewalls, like a Netflix, I, I'm not sure that that's the model that's going to, to work. I, I think that the, the podcasts, um, still need to have public exposure. Um, and, and if you're putting stuff behind a file, I mean, I think if you look at the past, uh, the things that have worked fairly well is kind of the freemium model, right? So yep. where, where some content is free and some content is paid. And I think that model has kind of proven itself o- over the years. And I, I don't see any or much of this um, effort focused on the freemium model, which is a little surprising to me. So I guess we'll see what they do, but how many of these entrants can there be? You know, this will be the second one that is looking to paywall up. So, right, and I don't know. At the end of the day, is it a podcast when it's behind one of these paywalls? Um, it's not going to be well, on iTunes, is it? I mean, unless they're going to create a unique RSS feed. Well, it's maybe it's the Audible model that you know. Yeah. You know, if but, you think about it. And as we've seen with Audible, they've basically dropped all mention of the word podcast in co- in context of creating original audio content over there now. So Yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised at all, you know, but they've only given it like three or four shots, so why yeah, would we right. Yeah. You and I could both talk at at nauseum on the um, Audible's efforts in this medium over the years, but um you know in None of them has have worked. <laughs> so. Well, it just doesn't it doesn't fit their model. They're a they're a pay right. you know the, what they do they do well, but it's a you know it's different uh, different product. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay like, that it's it's yeah. I think it's perfectly okay what they're doing. I just don't think that every new kind of audio that comes out and there's people that are posting this question. I, I think in some of the discussion groups on Facebook is. You know, is it time to change the name, you know, from podcasting? You know, that's coming up again for the 20th time. <laughs> um, and, and in some ways, 
what they're saying is probably there's some truth to it. Um, but if, if it's going to change, um, it's going to have to be related to some other form of it that, um, like what Audible's doing, which is they're just calling it audio dramas. Um, and it's right. not a podcast. It's not being put out on an RSS feed. And if they're not going to put it out on an RSS feed, it's just not a podcast. It's a audio story or an audio drama or something like uh-huh. that. And that's I'm cool with that. Just don't call it a podcast when it's not. Well, I think that uh, we'll see what happens with this premium model. Um, right. I think they've got a, a uphill battle to climb. Yeah. I'm all about podcasters making money. You know, I really am. I, I, you know, I think there has to be sustainability in this space, but I don't know if this is it. There's been um, some efforts in the past. I don't know if we've talked about it on the show where, where there's this concept of, of open RSS feeds, but secure episodes. Um, I, I played around with that concept when I was working at Microsoft. Maybe we talked about this here in the prior episode, but there is a way that we can we can blend this stuff in as part of the RSS feed um, and get this done. I did actually mention this idea to Apple actually um, as an option because they're all set up for paid you know subscription content. And I mean right. that's what they've been doing for years off of their platform. So um, you know that might be a one thing that we could do here that I would. You know, and it also would work with freemium content too. So, so some like maybe some of it is free, like the one episode, each new episode is free and that's ad supported. And then the rest of the archive is behind a subscription. So, you know, a paid subscription. So I, I'm kind of more open to that idea. I don't know about you, Todd. I think so too. And also, I've always continued to say is that. If a podcaster wants to have a monetized model where they're getting some contributions from their listeners, is uh, it's as simple as a PayPal link on their website, which I've done for many years mm-hmm. and it's been very successful. So um, over time, it's not was an overnight success, but it right. you know it's taken some time. So I think that um, you know th- those those uh, situations will. I, I think the way to make you just have to be creative. Yeah. You know, to monetize your show. So, well, and you, and you also have to realize how this medium is different than than audiobooks and different than well, it's probably this model that they're working on is more like audiobooks when you think about it, um, and, and how audiobooks has been put out there too. But there there have been audiobooks put out as podcasts too, but those have been kind of ad supported. Um, so you kind of can see where these models kind of converge. And most podcasters want scale, right? They want to build as big of an audience as they can. When you put your content behind a paywall like this, you're not going to build that much of an audience. Right. So Yeah, it's 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 gonna be a challenge for sure. Hey, one thing, um you know, kind of switch topics here. I yeah. saw Daniel J. Lewis put out a yeah. interesting report, and I think that while it hosts media file delivery speeds and a variety of other information in there, there was some really concerning data at the bottom of that report that really hasn't got a lot of play. Mm-hmm. Well, what, why don't you mention some of it? Uh, <laughs> well, um, and I don't really want to call the companies that, well, I guess I can because it's, well, it's, it's Daniel's report. Right. Yeah. So he basically he did a very simple test. Um, and it was basically to see how many of those podcast hosts did not count downloads from bots. From bots, yeah. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, from bots. And the list well, Todd, of podcasts... Let's, are, let's talk okay. a little bit about what a bot is, typically. I sure. Know if you want to talk about that. Um, yeah, there's literally, I would say, thousands of them. Um, they're just computer-generated programs that... Uh, Either pull down media files, pull RSS feeds. Uh, they do a variety of things. Some of the bots are really stupid and actually download complete media files. Uh, some just take a sampling of a media file. Um, but really, those bots are non-human activity. It's mm-hmm. basically completely computer-generated. When you're building a, a podcast metric system, you have to account for and remove bot the bot counts from your download totals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because those aren't real people listening, and that's what the whole point of counting is. Yeah, it's to count yeah. audience. All right. 
So, you know, it, in, if we look at the list, he broke it into three categories. He podcast hosts that did not count any of the bots, uh, podcast hosts that counted some bots, and some podcast hosts that were counting really everything. Every bot hit, they counted. Um, and what concerns me is if you look at this list of um, shows that are, you know, you look at Audioboom, iVox, Podient, and SoundCloud, they had real issues with uh, bot counts. Mm-hmm. And um, it what it really boils down to, well, Fireside had issues. Oh, he, oh, he, he excuse me. He, those were hosts he was concerned about, and the hosts that were on his naughty list was Fireside, Pippa, Podcast.co, and Podmeo. And they were just down, they just counted everything. And mm-hmm. if they can't, this is this is basic one oh one podcast measurement. If they can't filter bots, what else are they not doing? Right. I mean, yeah. this is basic. This is the easiest one. This is the easiest thing to exclude. You know, and literally it'll get rid of well, bot traffic alone is probably sixty or seventy percent of downloads that get filtered out. So if you have a thousand downloads that were counted, there was probably sixteen to seventeen hundred uh, bots that were excluded from that download count. Right. So it could double or triple someone's download numbers just because they're not filtering bots. Right. There's these concept of whitelists and blacklists that are out there too. Would you say, Todd, that that's the reason that these platforms um, aren't able to filter the bots because they just don't know about them? Well, we built initially before there was a list even available to buy, we built our own list and we right. had to weekly go in and add bots to the list. Right. Just and, just because you've been you've been seeing activity for so long, right? Right. You know, when we started this in two thousand five, there was bots then. So yeah. um now I pay for a bot list, you know, and I'm happy to pay for it because we're not combing log files every week. Right. Um you know, we've got a, a, a company that does that for a, a living, and we pay them handsomely for that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I guess it's a matter, you know, again, you can build your own or, or buy one right. um, or a combination thereof. And I think we do both still. But um, if they're not, if they can't filter bots, then that, I mean, that's, that's just, that's easy. Right. That's the easy part, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why they wouldn't, concerning. other than they just haven't um, figured out all the bots. And you got companies like, like Pippa who are submitting um, podcast lists to certain um, industry groups that are ranking podcasts in certain countries. It's just, uh, it's completely bogus, bad. Information. So, I, I, you know, Fireside, I was shocked. How come, you know, the, the you know, the guy that runs Fireside is well respected in this space? Why is, yeah, oh shoot, why is, uh, um, why is his stuff uh, not filtering bots? Mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. Right. This does kind of raise a much bigger topic, right? And that's the changes that are happening in the medium that are kind of related to the IEB certification process, right? There's going to be the platforms that head down the IEB certification path, and then there's the platforms that are not going to be, but they're going to somehow claim that the IEB guidelines are wrong or incorrect because they don't want to comply with them. And and we're starting to see that happen. Oh yeah. Big time. And, and in fact, um, you know, some of the things that we're doing is we're going and providing additional deeper. It's not any more certified than anyone else, but we're providing deeper data, deeper data sets now to our enterprise customers. And they like what they see. And the question then really becomes is with people fighting this um, with groups you know, not really knowing what the hell they're talking about, bad mouthing the IB certification, right. and literally not knowing what went into that. 
when you have people saying, well, this big, bad organization is dictating podcast management. Well, no, it was 37 podcasting companies that came together with the IEB facilitating that conversation to come up with these guidelines. That's, you know, that's what's missed here. Right. It's not about the have or have nots. Here was the bad part, Rob. If, if, if Libsyn, PodTrack, us, and others had not gotten involved, we would have had someone else's guidelines rammed down our throat. Right. That's right. I mean, a lot, a lot of people put in a lot of time and effort to establish those guidelines and it was across the industry. I mean, and, and sure, there's a lot of new platforms that have come into the space um, way since um, that you know group got together to establish these guidelines, um, and and we'll see how many of the platforms embrace this um, as a standard across the the medium. Um, Todd, what's your thought? I mean, is there going to be a, a real struggle? I mean, do you think it's going to take? a long time for the whole industry to, to get on the bandwagon? Well, number one, it's expensive. Right. Most most companies can't do this lift, and that's where I think a lot of people are pissed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's be, let's be frank. If we have client-side, let's say, okay, right now, just so everyone's clear on this, there's server-side certification and client-side certification of metric data in the digital space. Mm-hmm. Client side data is done by the MRC, right. and it, it, we, as a podcast community at this point, should be thanking our lucky stars that we're not having to pay the MRC bill, because the MRC bill is six figures to do a certification each and every year. And that's so, probably coming, I would say, right? Right. At some point. And that MRC certification carries incredible weight in the space. Right. It is almost, it's almost a lot. If you don't have MRC certification, you might as well not even be in business if you're doing any kind of digital measurement. So we're not doing MRC because there's no client side data. So mm-hmm. let's switch. So that's why the IV Tech Lab. So we're clear. So people ever understands this. That's why the IAB Tech Lab set up certification of, of server-side log files in that processing of data. Mm-hmm. So it's really um, expensive, and I understand it may not be in some companies' budgets, and some companies lift. You know, be, and this is where people are, I think, where real true crux of this is, is they say that um, the big players in space, Blueberry, Libsyn, PodTrack, because we're getting certified, we're dictating to the rest of the podcasting space that you have to do this. Well, no, we're not. But at the same time, we're putting our money where our mouth is on making sure the measurement um, is accurate and that we're all on the same playing field. So I didn't want to write that check and spend four or five months working through certification, but that's what we had to do as a business. Right. Well, let's say a podcast hosting platform doesn't want to pay or can't pay that check. Um, do you think that it, there needs to be some sort of a path for them somehow to to at least get their counting methodology in compliance with the guidelines somehow and have some way to to demonstrate the the compliance e- even though they're not certified? Uh, I, I don't think that there's a path there on, you know, and this is going to sound very cynical and people are going to, people are going to complain about this is, you know, I have a SaaS service. I have software as a service. We, you know, we're doing right. this for other companies where we're, you know, basically doing measurement for them so that they do have certified data. We're right. doing it for podcast networks and for enterprise clients. Um, I don't think a PIPA of the world or a fireside will ever, ever want to write Blueberry a check to provide certified stats for their customers. I just, it's, it's not in their DNA to do that. So if they don't, if they don't want to, and you know, again, but it's, it it's certainly forward. one option for them. Isn't it's it? one, it's one option. Um, yeah. and you know, we basically, uh, have a model that, Based on volume, a volume, you know, you, you pay on volume, and um, that's a pathway to certification. But then again, you have to, first of all, first and most, agree 
with the guidelines to even consider that conversation. And I know Dan over there does not agree with the IB certification numbers, yet his damn stat system couldn't even filter bots. Come on now. So if you're going to criticize a platform, at least have your own house in order. So that may be the path that some of these other smaller hosting platforms need to follow is they need to work with, with another certified platform that is willing to, to do that third party, you know, stats for them then. Because um, this isn't a one-time bill, Rob. This is every two years you're going to be in there. Yeah. You know, and I don't know what the recertification bill is going to be, but it's not going to be cheap. No. No. And I guess, you know, to to bring the topic back to the MRC, I think it's an interesting one, too, because if you think about what, what, what the MRC um, represents is a similar type of situation as what we're seeing with RAD. Um, mm-hmm. And is there going to be more credibility um, with an MRC coming in um, and try and get the all of the apps and all the listening platforms on board with client-side metrics um, with an organization like MRC versus NPR? Uh, I think it's an interesting question. I don't know the answer to that question, whether or not that's going to make a difference at all or if – if um, if privacy can be mitigated that way, then then there might be a path, and I think it would be helpful to the industry if we had client side data. But you know, it may not be worth the 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 trust violation that could exist around privacy. So, well, just just remember, MRC does the same thing that the IB Tech Lab does. They right. go through and audit your system. They right. they look at a sampling of data and say, yes, you're in compliance or you're certified. You know, you're following you're following the the client side reporting requirements, which really at this point there are none. Right. So, you know, there will have to be some sort of specification put together um, that the MRC then would would measure from or for do certification from. But right. again, um, I'm not going to write a check to MRC on. You know, if, if Apple is not included in this or Google is not included in, if we're not getting client-side data back from both of those parties, right. uh, I'm not writing a $100,000 check to get uh, certification from MRC on 8 9%, 10% of the, the space uh, traffic that we're able to track. That's right. Uh, and I'm not, not doing it. Well, I guess, is it possible for the MRC to come in and create a standard that is good enough to to appease a company like Apple around privacy? I don't know. Oh, uh, a, I don't know. It's an interesting question that maybe having, it'd be great to have somebody but, on the show here talking about the MRC and how it works and how they're, but, they're handling that in other areas of their, of their client-side digital tracking that they're doing because there's probably some common ground there. Well, if, if you think about this a little bit. MRC really isn't the one responsible to appease Apple. It's the group coming up with the with the um, Well, that's true. Yeah. It's it's up to like the rad folks to make Apple happy that their customers' privacy are not being violated. Well, wouldn't it be the industry coming together and coming up with a model that that secures user privacy at the same time being able to capture anonymous data, right? Um, that needs to come from the industry, but is that industry, you know, do we as an industry need to work with the MRC to, to establish those standards kind of like what we did with the IAB? I don't know. That's probably a question for the MRC, but that's, that's a big lift, Rob. You know, it's a big dollar amount. It, it really just it, it makes me actually kind of sh- you know that's an employee or two you know so it's um you know that's that's a big uh, that's a big lift and I guess we'll have to see and if the money comes in the space and it's it, then it really doesn't matter it's it's you know it's just another cost of doing business but well Todd I guess um, doesn't okay who's the responsible party in client side metrics like that is it is it the podcast hosting platform or is it the the listening platform? No, I think well, I it, it, well with the standard that's being proposed, 
is the data comes back to the hosting provider. But that's based so, on yeah, that's based on the the model that That's based the, on ra- the rad model. rad model. But what if Apple's the one that captures that data and shares it with a with a more of a you know a, a closed platform that then maybe it anonymizes the data and shares it with the hosting platforms. I don't you know or the shows more directly or something. I don't know. I mean yeah, I'm just trying to yeah, speculate how that relationship might work that wouldn't require the hosting platforms to pay that huge bill. Well, Apple's already providing data back to the podcasters. So in essence, some of that data, they're saying they are. So uh, I think it's a catch 22 here. And then, then again, how deep do we really need to go? Right. What's the, Um, what's the benefit, right? Yeah. Um, Is, is the, is the, you know, I'm not hearing media buyers asking me, do people listen to the show anymore? I'm not being asked that question. Yeah. That and, and because a lot of the research has already shown that people are listening to most of the, I think it's like what, 85%, something like that mm-hmm. is the average. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so, you know, how much better do we really need to be? You think about, you know, some stuff is still being done by diaries, you know? So come on, you know, yeah. let's be real. That's true. That's true, on, especially on the radio side, right? Um, yeah, I. Those are some big questions for the industry as we look to the future, you know. Um, and it just may not be. I think it, you're, you're right, Todd. I think it's hard to make a case for the industry investing in client side metrics like that when there doesn't appear to be a lot of benefit other than you know making the advertisers and the brands feel comfy, you know, and I think that's right. all you're going to achieve. And I know that, uh, based on conversations I've been having in the last week, there's a, oh, there, there's been a nuclear fallout here, um, over the last month. And, um, I kind of alluded to it in the last episode we did, mm-hmm. but, uh, in, in at the same point, when you come in to a group and you say, we have a solution for you, and uh, to make, you know, as you as the media buyer uh, feel more confident in the data you get. And then they go, you know, just, you know, just, you know, this this is just everyone can kind of think of the politics here. But, um, you know, imagine the um, the media buyer putting an RFP in that you shall uh, provide certified pa- uh, IB certified podcast statistics. And they don't care how you get it, but you have to do it. Mm-hmm. And let's say you're the you're a company that doesn't have this and does not want to um play this game um or be or provide certified iv certified uh, statistics um then imagine the politics coming back and saying no we don't want a company like blueberry to do our measurement for us mm-hmm. um and there's i understand the sensitivity there but it's not like we have this. We've been talking about this for how many years? Since probably what 2014, something like that. Right. So yeah. this should not come as a surprise to anyone. And I got people, and there are people saying there's no going to be no no RFPs coming from media buyers that require. Well, no. I've saw no. uh, RFPs that have a place right on the spreadsheet. Are you IEB certified? Right. Or who do you use for IEB certified? Right on the RFP worksheets. Mm-hmm. It's happening more and more. I agree with you, hundred percent. Right, not all, but it's happening more. And it's happening more from podcast networks that are looking to, you know, move. It's coming from big media companies that are selling advertising. You know, all sorts of places. So mm-hmm. I, I agree with you, and I think the other big change too. And, and, and Todd, you probably would know this stat probably maybe a little bit better than I do personally, but. Um, what percentage of the podcasting space is still self-hosting on their own, um, uh, you know, their own servers and they're not using your platform or they're not using, uh, Lipson or any, so they're just serving it off of like a GoDaddy account or, or, you know, a, you know, a host provider out there that's, you know hand coding RSS feeds, you know, some of these or folks are using, still doing that or they're just doing a r- regular WordPress feed. Um, 
you know. or they use an Amazon S3, archive.org. Right. right. Are those yeah. guys basically going to get, you know, to a point where they can't keep doing that? Um, if they yeah. want to monetize, maybe not. Right. But I don't think a lot of people that are, I don't think very many folks that are monetized are using platforms that they can't get log files from. Right. I have so, talked to quite a few, you know, fairly significant networks that are still self-hosting. Um, wow. And, but I think, you know, based on, if I think back to those conversations, you, you're right. They're, they're typically not monetizing very much, or if they are, it's really a, it's really a, you know, a, you know, hit or miss type of deal that they have going on with, you know, advertising on their programs. And it's usually working with advertisers that are not really that savvy about podcast metrics. So, yeah. And those numbers can be pretty inflated <laughs> as we both know. <laughs> yes, they can. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I, you know, any, this just is really discouraging to me to see this report from Daniel because the guidelines have been out for a couple of years. Right. Uh, people, people, and there's a formula there right in the guidelines on what they have to take care of. Someone that's coming into new in the space can just take that document, go line by line by line and say, are we doing this? Yes, no, let's fix that. And when Daniel just on a very simple test finds that a lot of hosts have bot problems it's not just those four we called out. Right. Oh, um, yeah. Well, lots of companies have some level of problems with this. Right. Makes you say, hmm, just a little bit. It yeah. makes me, doesn't say, make, it makes my eyeballs get wide. But there is quite a good-sized group of the podcast hosting platforms um, that are doing a good job with this. So, I mean, well, was, there was those, yeah, there was a right. good list that taps I mean, the podcast. The list is, I think, it, at least as long of podcast platforms that had had no bots right. as there are podcast hosting platforms that had some level of bots. Right. Yeah, so the confusion I have is, Rob, is what, how did 16 get through on Spreaker? And you guys have got, you, you know, you were over there. How did they got certified? So I'm not sure how. Right. I'm not sure how that happened either. I I don't think anybody's ever really tracked this data. I've I've never seen numbers on this type of data before to to yeah. really know why or what's going on there. So yeah. if you look at it, uh, Blueberry, Buzzsprout, Captivate, Castos, Libsyn, Omni Studio, Pinecast, Podbean, Podomatic, Transistor, Wooska, and Zencast didn't count mm-hmm. any. Uh, Anchor, Podigy, Podserve, Red Circle, Simplecast, and Spreaker. Uh, counted 16, and Daniel thinks that they counted one per continent. Uh, Audioboom, iVox, Podient, and SoundCloud counted uh, 24. And then um, Fireside, Pippa, Podcast.co, and Podomo um, counted every bot download resolving in 160 fake downloads. Right. And as Daniel says, I hate to throw a company under the bus, but Daniel just used one bot, not the thousands of bots that are out there touching media every day. Literally thousands. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that the the IEB certification process didn't um, didn't analyze did. bot counts. It did, but I wonder if they missed a looking at it coming from multiple continents. I don't know. I it, to me, it's just weird how. Because he basically did sixteen different regions, mm-hmm. um, so it is what it is. But another thing that was interesting was that Pippa is another one of those companies that allows the user to set the window, and right. So that's another big issue. Um, they need to get rid of that. They right. need to get rid of that one hour window. Right. Because their default is one hour over there. And we mm-hmm. know what happens when hosts that have a one-hour window. Those stats are grossly inflated. Right. And I'm sure that the, those other, probably probably some of those other companies have similar issues. Well, he's the, I don't know. And again, I don't know. No one's ever asked. And of course, you know, Dan at Fireside, he's, he doesn't believe in the podcast measurement guidelines. So who knows what he has his window set at. 
Well, Dan, but it should get those. I mean, he wasn't involved in the creation of it either. So no, but you know, he's never specifically laid out one, two, three, why he's against the guidelines. He just fundamentally says he's against them. Mm-hmm. So Dan, if you're listening, why don't you post a blog post while you're fundamentally against the guidelines and, and give us your reasoning. Yeah, you know, I, I think really said like that it was flawed somehow or it wasn't right yeah. or something like that. Well, okay, whatever. I want Let's hear that flaw and then let us respond to what you think is flawed. Right. I mean, if it is flawed, then th- it can certainly be fixed. If yeah. it's pointed out, if he knows something that, you know, all these podcast companies have been around for 15 years or 14 years or 13 years don't already know, then, then great. And if we, yeah, if we miss something awesome, but I'm yeah. going to tell you that that thing was every, almost every word in that document was fought over and had to be proven. Totally so I was on some of those calls. I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it took two years. You know, come on. Right. You know, you want to talk, yeah, people, I, and I, I can't, it was very, um, <laughs> painful. So anyway, so it's a good report on, you know, and there's a whole bunch of other tests that could be run too, uh, that Daniel could do too, that would look at some of this stuff. Um, well, and we haven't as, even talked about the speed testing that he did too. A few of these speed tests, I'm not surprised, but overall, the the uh, the space looks pretty relatively even. Um, mm-hmm. But a few players having, but you know, if you do speed tests, matter in audio delivery. Well, it only matters if if the click play experience plays the content right. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the the lowest bar. I think you know. I think when a person subscribes to a piece of content, um, it's going to download in the background. So if the connection's a little slow, it's not going to make a huge difference. Um, but when it comes to click play experiences, it can't be too slow, else it won't play. <laughs> yeah. One thing was pretty in this test is it looks like the way Podbean is able to provide some of their services at the price that they put on is there doesn't appear to me at least that uh, on their unlimited audio and unlimited plus plans that are actually using a CDN. It looks to me like they're using servers. Um, mm-hmm. That's at least on, you know, just, you know, again, I don't have any proof here, but um, with those absolutely abysmal download speeds, it really truly appears they're, they're trying to maximize uh, monetary savings by um, not using a CDN for those downloads. Right. It's it's kind of owning their own servers to deliver this stuff, right? It's yeah. It's not yeah. spread across a, a a farm of of servers, you know, in and various it, spots around the world, right? Yeah. So if you know if you're on a you know, that's how they're they're probably keeping costs down mm-hmm. and able to do what they're doing. Of course they're a Chinese uh, largely Chinese company, so um who knows where those servers are at. There's some news coming out about uh, what's going on in China, too, when it comes to podcasting. Oh, my God, yes. Some of the podcast it's companies the in, in China, <laughs> um, the Himalaya folks have been um, eliminated from the, the app stores in, in China. So Right. It's a big... Spoken, spoken yeah. word is not uh, red time. People forget that uh, there is still, a, you know... Freedom of speech is is not a given in many countries. Um, there is something going on with China right now because I mean I mean you're seeing what's happening in um, Hong Kong and so there's definitely a crackdown coming. Yeah, that's for sure, and they're they're definitely uh, uh, you know because if you're not licensed to speak in China and you can't, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, I don't know if. Do they issue licenses? <laughs> I think you think you have to be on an approved list. Oh, okay. Or or your or your stuff is listened to before. I, I don't know how it works, but they definitely right. have a an incredible censorship model over there. Yeah, yeah. But that's got to put a real hurt blocker on Himalaya. That's their funding source for their U.S. division too. Yeah, yeah. I guess they're gonna have to to stand on their feet a little quicker. 
Todd. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're again. I don't understand completely the politics and what that means for them. If that puts a you know puts a company in the chopping block or or what. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I saw that the other day as well. Saw that news. It's kind of scary if you think about it. Yeah, it is. But you know, I think in some ways it's this has been around um, for quite a while. China has not always had the the open um, experience <laughs> that the rest of the world has. So, yep. I'm not and necessarily not surprised. The, they're not the only one. There's other countries no, that, definitely. yeah, are doing the yeah. same thing. I also noticed that the Wushka folks have launched a free ad insertion in transcripts for all. Thought that was interesting. Well, um, we've had transcripts for a while now. And I'm not giving away uh, ad insertion for free, but that's pretty impressive to give it away for free. Mm-hmm. Where are they out of? Where's Wushka out of? Uh, I believe, ooh, are they out of Australia? I think they're out of Australia, Todd. They are an IEB, IAB certified um, platform. And they're giving away ad insertion, dynamic ad insertion. Dynamic Content uh, insertion technology and AI-generated transcripts. But I did read their read the fine print on that. Mm-hmm. It looks to me you get free to a certain level. <laughs> yeah, it can be a little expensive offering that. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. Yeah. So I think they have um, if you're low volume, low use, low drag, um, maybe you're going to get it for free. But if you have high volume you're probably not going to get that for it is expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we're finishing our beta testing on ours and the number of server resources you have to have running to do this. Right. Um, pretty significant. Right. Yeah. And luckily the technology allows you to scale up and scale down now as needed, but it's right. still, that's not, that is cost money. I believe they call that workers. You can spin up little workers in your servers that will take on certain tasks, and then the workers go home when you don't need them. So I don't. Yeah, that's the analogy that a lot of our developers aren't working at Spreaker would would describe it. It was like bring in some staff, takes care of the the upswing and the 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 need for resources, and then you just spin them back down again. So it creates almost like little um, little servlets inside of the the server infrastructure. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's in the cloud. They just, they just spawn some more servers in the cloud right. and then, yeah. And but I guess they host it. about 6,000 podcasts, the Wushka folks um, on a global scale. So they're still kind of, you know, rather small on that, on the hosting scale, but, um, but it sounds like they're, they're doing some, you know, some innovative stuff. No question about it. Yeah. ninety percent of podcasters probably will never need ad injection so but it, it is what it is so i i see where they're coming from on their on their offer well i think if you're getting involved in uh, programmatic across large numbers of shows um, there's probably a need more so than if you're just doing let's say pre-recorded host reads or something like that and using the the dynamic technology so th- there's kind of two ends of that spectrum Let's see if I can dig out some other news that was going on. Again, kind of a slow week. Yeah, but there's uh, still a lot going on, that's for sure. Yeah. A lot of people hiring. So there's a lot of that going on. So people are looking for podcast jobs. It's probably a good time to be on the hunt. I don't think we talked about this. A lot of producers and that so forth. Right. Um, well, Wondery got an additional $10 million in funding. And they say that's going to allow them to go global. Kind of surprises me that they're able to do I'm not that. Not sure what that means. Is that 10 million. producing new content on a global scale, or is, I, mean, I can't imagine that's on the distribution side. Yeah, I'm not sure. So, Ten million is a pretty small round for them. Pocket change, Todd. Pocket change. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, are you settling in in your new uh, your new digs, your new job? Yeah. Things are things are settling in, sure. Yeah. So, so are, are the are the are you and the Robs dispersing load now? Is that what you're doing? Are you uh, 
taking on some of the stuff he was doing or uh... yeah there's there's a little bit of that. i mean there's a lot of kind of co-efforts going on with it too right now so we're we're teaming up on things more than than spreading um across the both of us i i think that's probably going to happen more in the future as you look to the future but it's it's mainly you know i i spent a lot of years working on a different platform so there's some there's some learning that i have to do about you know the last 15 years of development that Lipson has put into their tools <laughs> that, I, <laughs> that I have to learn. So that there is some, some learning curve for me to, to be an expert, you know, to try and catch up with Rob. So Rob yeah. was, Rob has got a little bit of a head start on me on that. So. so and Chris, you guys okay. have been in the news. You guys have been in the news a little bit. You got some stockholders that aren't very happy right now. And I know you can't talk to that publicly, but, mm. uh, yeah, you guys have been uh, in the news a little bit as well. A little proxy fight going on, so we'll see what. At least I can talk about it. I know, I know you can't, right. <laughs> so we'll see what uh, what develops there. Mm-hmm. We shall see, right? <laughs> we shall see. Mm, that's all you can say. <laughs> uh, it's up. all okay, though. You know, it's it's perfect. Par for the course of being a being a public company. That's kind of what kind of stuff that right. happens. All right. Well, Rob, I think we're are we out of juice? Are we out of stuff to talk about today? <laughs> well, I think we can we can drag up something, but I guess it just depends <laughs> on on whether or not it's it's worthy of the listeners' time, Todd. Yeah, I I, I don't know if it's worthy of their time. So. <laughs> I don't have really anything. I don't really have anything else. Um, you know, there's a lot. Oh, podcast awards are going on. Oh, that's nominations, right. right? You, that's yeah. right. That's so you're taking nominations still. Yeah, for the next until the end of the month. So right. we're even having some registrations trickle trickle in. So you know, if you're not participating, you should be. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, to help support and keep the awards alive. You know, we might survive another year. We'll see before mm-hmm. this is all over. Uh, that sponsorships are down uh, as you know, if it wasn't for the, the podcaster registrations, we, uh, this would be it. Um, mm-hmm. so, so far so good. Okay. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm happy to hear that things are marching forward. So that's always a good sign. There's always hope, right? Yep. Yep. So, so it, it was the the original podcast awards. I it's it would be great if the industry supported it more. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, Rob. Time. Okay. I think we can wrap here. So everyone, thanks for tuning into our short holiday show. I guess we'll be back with you uh, next week with another edition. I do appreciate uh, you tuning in. You can reach me, Todd, at blueberry dot com or at Geek News on Twitter. I'm at. Uh, Twitter as well, um, at Rob Greenley, the two E's, and I can be reached, uh, Rob G at Lipson.com. So yeah, the, the other Rob got the, got the regular Rob. So I'm at Rob yeah. G at Lipson.com. So you can reach out to me there. If you- All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to the media show. We'll see you next week here. Everyone take care. Thanks. Hey, thanks.